So it's January 5th, five days into 2020. And whether you like it or not, whether you think they're great or whether you think they are extremely silly, it is that time of year for New Year's resolutions. Now, stats will say that almost 100% of us have made a resolution at least at some point in our lives, but this year, maybe one out of every five of you will make a resolution and maybe even less. And stats will also say, depending on which ones you look at, that by the end of January, seven out of eight New Year's resolutions will already be broken, if not once, maybe many times over. But we still make them. But we're not here to debate whether New Year's resolutions are a good or bad thing. The fact is, if you've made one, or, or if you, someone you know has made one, it's probably gone something like this. This year, I am going to improve myself in this list of ways, or maybe just in this one way, I'm going to improve myself. I'm, I'm going to take care of myself in this specific way. I'm going to take care of others. I'm going to be more caring. I'm going to be more independent. I'm going to be able to do more things for more people, including myself. No one, I don't think, has ever made a New Year's resolution or even made a decision in their life that they vocalize. No one ever says, you know what, this year, I'm going to be more dependent. I'm going to do less. I'm going to depend more on others. I'm just going to let them do everything for me. I'll do whatever it takes. I, I will be extremely lazy. I will mooch off of people. This is my resolution going forward in my life. Ever heard a resolution like that? Me neither. Why? Because being dependent on others, it gets a really bad rap. I almost guarantee if I took a poll and said to all of you, which is better, being independent or being dependent? Maybe 100% of you would say, well, being independent is better than being dependent. Wrong. The correct answer is neither. It's neither because God didn't design us either way. He didn't design us to be totally independent, and he also didn't design us to be totally dependent. He designed us a different way. He designed us to be interdependent, which means you're dependent on you and you're dependent on you. We are each all dependent on each other, which means you can't just exist by yourself doing things only for you because other people need you, and you also need other people. We see this throughout the Bible and, and throughout life, but we're going to see this here even from the very beginning, from when God created the world, from Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read, first of all, Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31. Then we'll take a break, and then we'll finish up the section later. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you 
every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is God's word. Now, it wasn't a typo, and I didn't misspeak. Right at the beginning, I said, the Bible says, Then God said, let us. Then God said, let us. That doesn't make any sense. Even if you're in fourth grade English, that doesn't make sense because God is singular and us is plural. This would be like me saying to my wife, Becky, hey, we are going to go for a walk. And then I walk out of the house by myself, leaving her and our two kids at home. She would either think I was crazy or forgetful. That's what this would be like. But, but there it is. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. The Bible is very clear. There is only one, one God. And at the same time, the Bible is also clear that this God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, this is a concept that is not understandable, so no matter how many hours we talk about it, we could never understand it, but it is very clearly, very clearly, the way the Bible speaks. One God and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the word Christians have used for centuries to describe this is the Trinity. We sang about it in our first song this morning. Trinity, three, tri, like tricycle, three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three, the word we use is persons united in one God. Triunity, Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. Now, God said, let us make man in our image. He also, it didn't have to be this way, but he, he himself is interdependent on himself. God the Father had a plan to rescue us out of our sin, but that plan was dependent on the Son coming down at Christmas, living a perfect life and being our Savior, sacrificing himself. But that does us no good because that, that, does us, that depends on the Holy Spirit who the Bible talks about as the one who creates faith and trust in Jesus in our hearts. It's a cycle. God is himself an interdependent being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we'd also need many hours to talk about this concept, but very briefly, it says he created us in his image, in his likeness. Originally, this meant he created Adam and Eve in perfection without sin, perfect beings. And if you read to Genesis 3, you'll see Adam and Eve messed it up and we mess it up every single day. But he also created us like him in so many other ways. And one of those ways, as we've seen already and as we're going to see throughout this series, is that God created us to be interdependent. Just like the Father depends on the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Son depends on the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit depends on the Father and the Son. It's a big cycle. We are created the exact same way. And we're going to see some examples of this in Genesis chapter 2 now, starting with verse 8. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. 
The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So here, we'll get into this more in two weeks, but God created humankind to be dependent on nature. He made us dependent on the plants for food and the garden to live. Continuing now, verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man, Adam, to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man, Adam, to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman out of the rib <clears throat> he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. In Hebrew, the word woman literally means out of man. Verse 24, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This is also God's word. Now, I said in the middle of that reading, God had made Adam dependent on the garden, and he had made the garden dependent on Adam, and he made all the wild animals dependent on Adam. He told Adam to rule over all the creatures in the world. But there's another dependency that Adam had. You heard it. There was no suitable helper for him. So God created woman. Now, before the question pops to the front of your mind, maybe it's already there, wait a minute. Woman is just a helper? How, how could the Bible say such a thing? Like, isn't that, isn't that diminishing women? How could, how could Eve be described as a suitable helper for Adam? Do you know who the other person is in the Bible who is described as a helper? The word is, in Hebrew, it's azer. And there's one other person that's described over and over as a helper in the Bible. It's God. God is our helper. This word for helper, it's not like, would you please help me uh, fold the laundry, which I could do by myself. I don't need a helper. No, this, this helper, it's like I'm drowning. There's nothing I can do to save myself. And the last thing I shout before I go unconscious and go under the water and die is help. Because there's nothing I can do to save myself. That's what suitable helper means here. It's not diminishing women. If anything, it's exalting them and saying men and women, they need each other. You, you heard that in, in verse 24. Um, man and woman become one flesh, one body, literally. Like There's no more interdependence than that. But let's go a step further. What about new humans? Well, a man can't just go decide on his own to make a human. It doesn't work that way. But a woman can't do it by herself either. Man and woman are, are interdependent on each other 
to make new humans. And of course, God is the one who makes it happen. We're dependent on him as well. God designed us to be interdependent beings. Now, maybe you're questioning this and you're saying, okay, this whole series seems like it's just weird. Like, whoever talks about interdependence anyways? And I don't really need everyone else here. If you're thinking that at all, think about the food you're going to eat today. Or even, what, what are you, are you going to drink some water? Where'd that water come from? Are you, where are you going to get it? Are, are you going to go down to the river and get it? If so, don't do it. It's very dirty. But if you do, if you do, where did that, where did that river come from? Who put it there? Did you put it there? Someone's, God put it there. God put it there. We're, we're dependent on the nature that God created. Or, or what if you drink your water out of the tap? Or you drink it out of a bottle? Oh, did you do the bottling? Did you lay the pipes to get the water from the river? Did you put it through the filtration? Did you clean it? How many different people are needed by you to give you the water you drink, no matter how you drink it? Or did you have cereal for breakfast this morning? I, now, you can... You can complain all you want about processed food, but uh, how many people and how many things that God created go into making a box of cereal that you just grab off the store and the shelf? Even the, like the cashier at the store, the people who made the store, the people who made the cardboard that the, that the cereal is in. We could go on and on and on. Hopefully, if this whole idea of interdependence is foreign to you, hopefully you see this, this comes up in every single area of life. God designed us as interdependent beings. And yet, uh, we don't always live that out. That's what we said in, in our confession of sins at the beginning of the service. I, I tend not to like sometimes the place that God put me or the way that he put other people in my life. Or maybe, <clears throat> maybe you are a fiercely independent person. You just want to do everything by yourself and you kind of stay away from groups. You stay away from joining in collaborative work with anybody. Maybe because you fear that if you work in a group and you depend on other people and they depend on you, then even though you're fiercely independent, your shortcomings are going to shine through when you're working with other people. I'm not a Star Wars geek, but if you are, this will resonate with you. This is Han Solo to a T. He is this guy. He does not want to be interdependent. Or, or maybe, maybe you're different. Um, maybe you're in charge of a family and you feel the pressure to make sure your family holds together and everything is right and good. Or maybe you're not in charge of anybody. Maybe it's just you, but you still feel this pressure that you yourself have to make everything in your life go. And you feel like people are going to even look down on you if your life isn't put together in a neat and tidy way, if you can't be independent. Maybe you hear interdependence and you jump for joy because this is your thing. In a, in a community like Acts chapter 4 where everyone is totally depending on each other, this, this would be your perfect world, your utopia, but you feel like no one else is really on board. Or maybe you're the person, uh, you struggle to see how your actions actually help others, how your existence even matters to anyone else at all, and so you're kind of apathetic and detached and your whole life you're just living it, retreating from everyone else because you don't see how anyone could need you for anything. 
Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe you're someone else. But all these things, they're not just, oh, well, this is, this is the way life is. I'm fiercely independent, or I'm apathetic, or I'm somewhere in between. Oh, well. No, all these ways that we live, not according to the way God designed us, they're, they're sin. They're corruptions in us, caused by our, our own sin and the sin of the whole world around us. It's not just a, oh, well, that's the way it is. It's a, it's a big deal. And so we need a solution. And the solution is a one-word difference. If you read Genesis 1, you see God. God spoke. He said, let there be light, and there was. God created this. God did that. God did everything. But then you get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, and you keep reading. And all of a sudden, it changes. It's not God did this and God did that. All of a sudden, it's the Lord God did this. The Lord God did that. And 11 times in 19 verses, there's no just God. It's always the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God. And you say, big whoop, what's the difference? Well, the difference between God and Lord God is like this. If you're reading a story about a king, and at the beginning of the story, you hear about this king, and he's very mighty, he's ruling, he is creating a castle, he's ruling over his kingdom. But in the back of your mind, you're kind of wondering, well, this is a long book. I wonder if the king is good, or if he's evil, or I just wonder what kind of king he is. And then you get to chapter 2. And it's not just the king was mighty and powerful. It says, the king loved the people in his kingdom. The king was willing to give the people, he was even willing to give them himself. He was willing to go to the front lines of the battle himself and if need be, sacrifice his life to save the people of his kingdom. Oh, now you know just what kind of king that is. And that's the difference between God and the Lord God. If you just read Genesis chapter 1 with God did this, God did that, you'd know that he was insanely powerful. He created everything just by speaking it into existence. But you wouldn't know if he was going to use all that power to help you or hurt you, to love you or condemn you. You wouldn't know. But then you get to chapter 2, and you hear over and over, the Lord, and this is all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps, the Lord God. And Bible scholars will say that the word LORD, in all caps, is used thousands of times in the Old Testament. And that specific word, it's always used to emphasize that God's not just God, a God. He is the God of free and faithful grace. That means that his love for you is undeserved. We don't have to earn it. It means that his love for you is a free gift. It doesn't depend on you. And his love for you is faithful. The solution to the ways we mess up God's design for us is the fact that we don't just have a God. We have the Lord God. And the solution is not that he gives us the strength to live interdependently. He gives us the strength to live how he designed us. No, that's not really a solution at all because that quote-unquote solution would still depend on us. 
the solution to how we mess up his design for us is that God himself was willing to enter into our world. He was willing to enter into our world as our help. Not the kind of help that says, here, let me help you live by folding your laundry or helping you live your life. No, let me help you, he said, by rescuing you out of your sin and out of your guilt, out of your shame. In fact, let me rescue you by taking all your guilt and shame and sin on me and destroying it. Let me rescue you from drowning in your sin so that you will live forever with me. That's the solution. The Lord God of free and faithful, undeserved love. That's the good news. It's not like an opinion column that you can agree or disagree with. It's the news. You can't change it. It happened. It's done. And it's for you. That's the solution. And now when you hear the good news, what does that, what does that do in your life? Well, it makes you want to live in the ways God says it's best for you to live, which you see all over the Bible. But today, when you hear the good news that God is your Lord God, it makes you want to live as an interdependent being, depending on others and also with them depending on you. So let's do that together. As a church, as families, as individuals who coexist with other individuals in the world, let's do that together. Since we don't just have a God, we have the Lord God. Let me pray for you all about this. Dear Heavenly Father, you created us and you created everything in the universe. And you created us in a certain way to exist in a certain way, to act in certain ways. And every single day we don't in so many ways. The solution we might think is that we make a resolution to do better, to act better, but we'll, we'll always fail. The solution lies in you, in the fact that you chose to enter into our world and live perfectly, taking away all of our guilt and sin and shame and giving us your son Jesus' perfection. Thank you for being not just a God. Thank you for being the Lord God who loves us, who is faithful to us, who forgives us all our sins. Let this good news give us peace and let it also give us strength to live in the way that you have designed us as interdependent beings. Heavenly Father, bless us as we seek to carry out your design every day in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.